This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Yeah, glory to God. Good to see all of you this evening. Want to welcome those of you that may be watching through the internet. Glad you can be with us here this evening as we come together in the name of Jesus to lift up his name. Hallelujah. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? Amen. Amen. Praise God. He stands at the door. Glory to God. And there's coming a time when he's going to hear the voice of his father. And he's going to come for his bride. Glory to God. And we have the privilege to rejoice in that. Amen. We have what the Bible says is a blessed hope. Hallelujah. And it is that which sustains and keeps us. Glory to God. Amen. Well, good to see all of you. How many of you are glad it's warmer? <laughs> Isn't it frightful? You know, it's 11 degrees, man. It's warmer. Hallelujah. No, it's cold, but, you know, it's better than it was. You know, we've had a, what, about a 35-degree shift? That makes a little difference, doesn't it? You know, if it goes from 60 to 95, you think it's hot, right? So I guess we're having a heat wave, and it's going to get better. Hallelujah. And so for that, we're, we're thankful. Praise God. Amen. Looking forward to this weekend, especially the following weekend, when we're going to be having uh, Joe McGee as our guest here at the church for a weekend uh, marriage event. And then also uh, he'll be in the pulpit on Sunday. And so <clears throat> I'm sure he'll bring a great word and it'll be a, a, a word of edification and blessing. So anyway, uh, looking forward to that. Praise God. Uh, we're going to be starting some classes in March, uh, what we're calling deep, going a little deeper uh, for adults, uh, for youth, and for children. Uh, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to ratchet up our Sunday school program again for our kids. Um, there's a lot to the history of all of that, but we just decided that our kids were missing out on some fundamentals as far as being taught the Bible and the Word of God. And so we're resurrecting our Sunday school classes so that our kids uh, can know uh, the Word in a better uh, way and the Bible stories that are in it. Hallelujah. Not that Miss April isn't doing a fantastic job. She is. But, you know, there's just a limit as to what you can do, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to gathering as a group. So we're excited about that. We're going to be doing the same thing for our kids, our young people, I should say, our young adults. Uh, we've got to uh, do as much as we can to teach them not only, you know, uh, what they believe, but why they should believe it, you know, um, uh, this thing, um, you know, is important, and there's such an onslaught being made in the world today. So we need to be rooted. We need to be grounded. We need to be established in the truth. And so, again, these are the reasons why we're doing these things, so that some people can really get a foundation underneath them and that you won't be moved. Hallelujah. You know, when, when uh, again, the Apostle Paul was talking about you know, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, you know, he wants us to be, uh, you know, unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, praise God, it's going to be a good time, and I hope you'll uh, get in on that. I know we've got, you know, our uh, small groups that we're doing, and all of these things we're doing, you know, to... Uh, build relationships, help people grow in their, uh, not only in their re relationships with one another, but in their relationships with God. Hallelujah. Exposure. Let's put it that way. 
If you can uh, get people in an environment where they can learn some things, they'll be blessed. Glory to God. So anyway, uh, enough about all that. You ready to receive the word this evening? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2 one more time. And uh, we've been talking about walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus told his own disciples that they weren't to leave Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard from me. And, of course, we know on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven uh, tongues like as of fire. It sat upon each of them. The Bible says, and they were all filled. Everybody say all. Yeah, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And when this, this experience, if you want to call it that, happened, <clears throat> it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they, the, those 120 that were there, they began to speak in unknown tongues, unknown to them, an unknown language to them, hallelujah, and, uh, and it was wonderful. Broke out on the streets, evidently. People started hearing what was taking place. They were confused about what was going on. They said, these people are drunk. Well, you know, again, by, by definition, a person who, you know, when they get drunk, they get happy. Yeah, and uh, so it just spilled out into the streets. Peter saw an opportunity, took it. The Bible says, Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost said, these men are not drunk as you think, even seeing it's only the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. Behold, the day is coming that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Glory to God. So we see that there was a prophecy in Joel that was made of this particular day. Jesus gave testimony to it as well. He said, you know, I send the promise of my Father. So this is a very valid, a very real uh, an experience. And of course, you know, when he was talking with his disciples in the first chapter, he, you know, they were asking about, you know, when he was going to come and, you know, and, uh, you know, established his kingdom, you know, and because they're thinking naturally, they're thinking about being under the rule of the Roman Empire, and they wanted Jesus to establish his kingdom so that they could get out from underneath that, and they had a lot of questions about it, and he said, it's not given to you to know the uh, time or the hours that are within the hands of my father, but he said in verse 8, he said, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What does that mean for you and I in the 21st century? It just simply means this. There's a lot of things that go on in the world governmentally, you know, different things, you know. I mean, you look at the despair, despair and all of the things, corruption, all that, and this and that and the other. And, you know, interestingly enough, they were all concerned about that, but Jesus redirected their thinking. And he turned them towards something else. He said, these things you don't have to concern, your with, concern yourself with. These are in the hands of our Father, my Father. But you shall receive power after or an endowment of power or an endowment of power or an enabling, if you want to call it that, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll begin to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So, you know, again, Jesus uh, made reference to the fact that as believers, as children of God, don't leave home without it. Hallelujah. And so thank God we've had the privilege of being able to experience that 
where our lives are concerned. And uh, we talk quite a bit about the importance of it and its value as far as being filled with the Spirit. And uh, tonight I want to talk a little bit more about how to receive. And, you know, really uh, talking about how to receive not only the Holy Spirit, but really how to receive anything from God. We're going to talk uh, specifically about that. You know, um, just to simply quickly pass and review, you know, um, the values of, of being filled with the Spirit are pretty simple. You know, when you receive, he said you'll receive power or ability, dunamis, dynamic working within your life. So, you know, when stuff comes against you, thank God you're not alone. Are you listening to me? You know, that there is coupled together with you a partnership of the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to deal with things that, that you're dealing with in your life. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Hallelujah. And so thank God you can call on him and he can come uh, to your aid and help you. We know that speaking with other tongues was the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's a spiritual edification that comes when you are filled. Hallelujah. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I don't know about you, but I was so blessed by, well, both songs, but the second song tonight, man, I mean, just coming up out of my innermost being, giving praise to God. Amen. So, and also, you know, being filled with the Spirit, there's this divine, this supernatural means of communication with the Father. You know, the Bible talks about often we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit will take hold together with us against whatever it is that's in our lives. Hallelujah. And sometimes, you know, we have to stay there a bit, you know, in order to get the victory, but thank God He wants us to walk in victory. How many of you believe that? Amen. Praise God. And uh, so, you know, uh, the thing is, I think sometimes, well, I'll give you an example in Acts chapter 12. When uh, Herod killed um, uh, John's brother James, you know, James and John, the sons of thunder, he took his, his brother's life, James. When he seen that it pleased the Jews, he got to thinking, you know what, I could probably clean house here and get a lot of uh, political mileage out of this thing. So he apprehended Peter, threw him in prison, before one of their feasts, intending afterwards to bring him out and basically probably do the same thing that he had done to James. Well, in that 12th chapter, the Bible says that the church began to pray, or there was prayer made without ceasing unto God for him. In other words, they hit their knees and they didn't leave because they knew what was, what was going to happen. Well, you know the rest of the story. Peter was sleeping there in the prison. Angel came, delivered him, set him, walked through everything, supernaturally delivered him, sent him down, down the road, and then the angel disappeared. Hallelujah. He thought, you know, he was just having a vision until he came to himself and realized, you know, this is real. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? And God just set him free, so he goes to the house where they're praying. This cat's in the jail, in the prison, you know, sleeping, and the body of Christ is out there, man, you know, making tremendous power available, praying in other tongues, you know, in earnest, you know, prayer uh, for him so that he would live and not die. And God sent an angel to do just that. How many of you know he'll do that for any of us? Amen. Praise God. He loves us. So anyway, uh, you know, again, when we pray, it helps us, or when we pray in other tongues, at least, it helps us when we don't know how to. You know, another thing about praying in the Spirit is, is it, it reminds us of His indwelling presence. You know, because praying in the Spirit, or even speaking with other tongues, doesn't come out of your head, it comes out of your innermost being. Amen? 
Glory to God. And so, and then the other thing about it is, is when you pray in the Spirit, it'll stimulate your faith. It says, you beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So thank God. Everybody say it together. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. You know, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I mean, there's just this enabling power that comes from being a spirit-filled believer as we have defined it here uh, during our midweek services and being filled with the Spirit of God. But so let's talk about how to receive the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, the, th- the place that we can start in all of this is, is that we need to realize that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for everyone. It is for every born-again believer. Now, if you've been led to believe, you know, well, it's not for everyone, then that will automatically hinder you in being able to re, uh, receive because you'll think, well, I'm not getting it, so I must not be a candidate. No, everyone means you're the one. It says they were all, everybody say all. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, uh, coupled together with that, look with me in chapter 2, verse 30. Let's look at 37, I believe it is. <clears throat> Peter was preaching, you know, and when he got uh, down here to 37, when, when they, the audience, the people that had heard what he had said, uh, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. In other words, they were convicted by what it is that they had done in actually giving their uh, consent to Jesus's uh, crucifixion. They were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to what? You need to repent. You need to repent. And then it goes on to say, it says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive, everybody say receive, the gift, everybody say gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now notice in 39, for the promise or the gift or the Holy Ghost is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off as many as the Lord our God shall call. So again, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for every born again believer. Praise God. So if you're saved, and, and you know it, glory to God, shout amen. No, you're, you're a candidate, you know, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Secondly, now this is where we'll, we'll start talking about this a little bit, and I think it'll help some folks, you know, because God doesn't give you the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has already been given. Are you listening to me? And I think where there's an impasse in some people's thinking is that when someone, you know, maybe lays out hands on them to be filled with the Spirit, they think that God is going to give it to them. Well, he's already given it. What needs to happen is the believer needs to receive it. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Because in other words, you know, a lot of times people, you know, it's a mistaken idea. They think that God is going to maybe overtake or overwhelm them and that they don't have any control or anything of that nature, you know, and they're just going to be, you know, begin to speak, and God's going to, you know, quote-unquote, baptize them in the Holy Ghost. 
Well, what you need to understand is, is that when we ask the Lord for something, you know, we have to receive it. Are you with me? Okay. But if we don't receive it, if we're just there, you know, we're just kind of waiting and whatever, then nothing's really happening. There's no transaction that's taking place. But you say, Lord, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Praise God, because I believe that it is a gift from you. And so as an act of my will, I receive what it is that belongs to me right now in the name of Jesus. And then, praise God, when we receive it, then the Holy Spirit will come upon the candidate to receive the Holy Spirit, and they'll be given an unction to speak in an unknown tongue or an unknown language. Notice in verse 4 of the second chapter, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in other tongues. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who is it that did the speaking? They did. The Holy Ghost is, what, is who gave them the utterance, but they spoke. Are you with me? So, you know, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, we say, I believe that I receive the Holy Spirit as is promised in the Word of God. Then, of course, we're the ones that have to start doing the speaking, and He is the one who will give us the utterance. Does that make sense to you? So, you know, again... <clears throat> It isn't that you don't have, uh, you know, control. You do have control, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is if you don't speak, ain't nothing going to happen. Am I in the right house? You know, but thank God you don't have to do that. Glory to God. You can just uh, believe God and receive what it is that he has for you. And I think a lot of this comes from, you know, old time Pentecost, they always talked about people tarrying you know, or waiting for the Holy Ghost. And they got that from what Jesus said. He said, wait or tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Well, if that's the case, that means we all got to go to Jerusalem and wait to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? No, praise God, the day of Pentecost came, that gift was poured out upon all that believed, praise God. And it's, it's something that's available. You don't have to tarry, you don't have to wait. Thank God you can receive it. Let's look at Acts chapter 8 real quick. Just turn over there a few pages with me in Acts chapter 8 and notice here. Um, I just love the Word of God, don't you? I'll tell you what, it'll straighten out your thinking if you'll just read it. Hallelujah. Notice here um, in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. This is Acts chapter 8 verse 5. He went down and he preached Christ to them. Glory to God. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spake, hearing, seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, many that were taken with palsies or crippling paralysis, and many that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now let's drop down to verse 14. Um, well, let's look at verse 12. Now notice it says that when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, isn't that what Jesus said? He said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So when they went through this and they were baptized in the name of Jesus, they became believers. Amen? So they're all children of God. Now drop down to verse 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, 
prayed for them, prayed for them that they might what? Receive the Holy Ghost. Notice it didn't say that they, you know, uh, they went down there, you know, and, and went down there so they could tarry with them, huh? Or just hang out with them. Or, you know, let's all get together and beg God. No, it says they, they went down there that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Notice in uh, <clears throat> 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They were only baptized in the name of Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they what? They did what? They received. Hallelujah. They received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank God. So again, you know, it's not so much a matter of God giving you the Holy Ghost as much as it is for you to receive the gift that he's already provided for you as a believer. Hallelujah. And there are other things, you know, uh, we see in this scripture that you can receive the Holy Ghost through the laying on of hands. That's what they did. Peter and John laid hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 19, you know, the Bible talks about Paul going down through Ephesus and he found certain disciples. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we don't even know anything about no Holy Ghost. And he baptized them in the name of Jesus. Then he laid his hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He began to speak with other tongues and magnify God. Hallelujah. So about a dozen of them got, got filled with the Holy Ghost there. So my point to sharing that again, which we've covered quite a bit here, but the reality is, is that it's one thing to be born of the Spirit of God. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit of God. And everyone that is born again is a candidate to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can receive the enabling power of the Spirit of God, not only for your own personal life, but for the lives of others that are around you. Glory to God, there's great benefit, great value, great, great, great blessing as a result of that. Now, let me, let's just take a little side journey here if we could, and um, let's talk about this. Um, you know, I've said this before, but let me say it to you again. Everything that you and I receive from God, we receive by faith, okay? Doesn't make any difference what we're talking about. You have to, in order to be saved, you got to do it by faith. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift. Are you with me? Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by faith. We're filled with the Holy Ghost by faith. We're healed by faith. Everything that we do in our relationship with our Heavenly Father is as a result of having faith in Him. You know, the truth of the matter is, is you're here tonight because you have faith in God. If you didn't have faith in God, you'd be somewhere else doing something else. I mean, I don't know what it is. But, you know, something has brought you, unless, you know, you, you got a love interest and you're just hanging out waiting, you know, I mean, you know. Well, anyway, just a thought. You'd be surprised how many people come to church because of love interests. Huh? Yeah, then we got to beat them off and run them off. And anyway, never mind. That's another story in and of itself. Hallelujah. So everything that you and I receive, we do it through or by the avenue of faith. Now, the Bible says in Romans 12 and 3, I don't have time to go there, but, you know, it, God says that each and every one of us as believers have been dealt the measure or a measure of faith. So you all have faith, and that faith can grow. 
It can become strong instead of weak. It can become great instead of, you know, small or little. Hallelujah. It can be developed, I guess is what I'm trying to say to you. Hallelujah. As you walk in a relationship with him. But I think one of the problems that people experience when it comes to, you know, receiving from God and talking about the subject of faith is they don't understand the nature of faith. What, what, what faith is. You know, uh, you'll talk to some people, man, I mean, they're, they're all over the place when it comes to defining what faith is. Now, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of that which we do not see. So that's the Bible definition of faith. Faith gives substance or is the guarantee of that which we hope for. But a lot of people think that faith and hope are the same, and they're not. A lot of people hope, calling it faith, and nothing happens. Are you listening to me? So, and, and, um, uh, so it becomes important for us to understand the nature of faith. Now, how many of you know what Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says? Hmm? So then faith cometh by what? And hearing by what? Faith comes, an essential component for you to have faith toward God is you have to hear the word of God, okay? You have to hear the word of God. So faith comes, it, faith only has one source, and that is, we're talking about Bible faith, right, okay? There's really two kinds of faith. There's natural human faith, but then there's, you know, biblical Bible kind of faith when it comes to God. But, I mean, when it comes to having faith in God, there's only one source, and that's the Word. Hallelujah. So, the second thing about, you know, we're talking about understanding the nature of faith, and this is an important one, too. While, while it's, uh, you know, faith has one source, the Bible, the second thing you need to know about the nature of faith is that Bible faith is of the heart, not the head. Okay? And people mistake it all the time. Uh, what do I mean by that? A lot of times people will mentally agree with the Bible, but they don't really believe it. You understand where I'm coming from? In other words, academically, they'll say, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's, there's no fruit on their tree as far as perhaps the way that they're uh, living or acting or whatever the case might be. You know, and James goes into a lot of detail that we don't have time to get into tonight about, you know, uh, uh, the simple fact that what Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. A lot of folks say a lot of different things. Are you with me? But you can pretty much tell exactly what a person believes just by watching them. Are you, are you here? So, so we need to understand that faith is of the heart, not the head. For example, let's just talk about salvation. So we can kind of get our head wrapped around what we mean by faith being of the heart, not the head. All right? When we talk about salvation, you know, <clears throat> what is the scriptural way to be saved? Well, I quoted a little bit earlier, Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, you know, there's all kinds of folks everywhere. I mean, churches filled with people. 
that think because of their good works, they're going to heaven. But yet when you read the Bible, you discover that's not the way to do it. get there. Are you listening to me? You know, I was told basically, you know, you, you jump through these hoops and do a little catechism, you know, and they'll, you know, confirm you into the church and away you go. You're good. You've been baptized in water, you know, and then you get your, your name on the membership roll. Well, there's nothing wrong with membership. We're going to have a partnership class here coming up next month. Okay. Nothing wrong with membership. Nothing wrong, you know, with infant baptism for that matter. All right. And, and, and of course, you know, um, what else is there in the context of that? You know, or, or even, you know, uh, having classes, you know, that, that people, you know, get confirmed into the church. But here's the problem. You can go through all those hoops, jump through all of them, and all it is is an academic exercise. Now I've done what is required, and so I'm in. And it is so deceptive because I went through it. And I was no more saved than I'm an astronaut. Are you listening to me? I mean, if I'd have died, I'd have bust the gates of hell wide open. But see, people think certain things because they're told that. Are you listening to me? And it leads them, because the thing about it is, is when you start talking about having a relationship with God, it is a relationship of your heart. Everything that makes you who you are, all of your soul, all your heart, all your mind, everything about you, that's where God, you know, has relationship with people. Not on this surfacey kind of thing, you know, where I jump through the hoops, I go through the motions, and whatever the case might be, so I'm good. And then I can still live like the devil, I can still misbehave, I can do all these things, and, you know, nobody's the wiser. Well, he is. You get saved, you give your heart to him, you won't want to go out and sin. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Glory to God. Now, I tell you what, praise God, knowing the reality of God in your life is awesome. Look with me, if you would, to uh, Romans chapter 10. Let's look at this a little bit more closely. In Romans chapter 10, and um, something that the Apostle Paul says here, we're talking about, you know, understanding the nature of faith, and we're using the example of salvation and what is the scriptural way for us to be saved. Notice with me, if you would, here in Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing, he says, Brother, in my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be, what's that word? That they might be what? My prayer and my heart's desire for Israel is that they may be saved. Now, notice what it goes on to say, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge or accurate knowledge. And the reason that he could bear them record is, is because Paul was one of them. He was a Pharisee. I mean, he, it was, Pharisees were the strictest sect of their religion when it came to all of the religious laws and all of that, you know. He said, I lived a Pharisee blameless. Now, I tell you what, you've got go, got to go a little distance in order to be able to declare that. So he was one of them. And he says, I want them to be saved because I want to tell you, I can tell you, I'll bear a record to the fact that they have a zeal for God, but the knowledge that they have is inaccurate. And there's a lot of folk in the world today. 
You know, like I said, you know, and, and then you can go to the other extreme where there's people, they don't even want anything to do with God. I don't need God. You know, I, you know, whatever, you know, there'll be people who stand up, I'm an atheist, you know, or whatever the case might be. Well, they're, they're in a world of hurt too. The Bible says, if you believe anything about the Bible, which they don't, it says a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You can't look at nature and not see God. I mean, when you think about the timepiece of everything that happens without, I mean, without a, 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 a hitch or a glick or whatever, man, there's got to be a God. Are you listening to me? So <clears throat> why don't you try sometime to get the earth to tilt back and forth year after year after year? See how it gets along for you. Huh? I mean, think about that. You know, on June the 21st and December the what? 20th or 21st, you know? Here we are. I can't wait for my birthday because I know we're going the other direction. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? But then my wife, she gets all bummed about the 21st of June because now we're going downhill. You know? Are you listening to me? But think about it. I mean, just without fail, year after year, tens of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years, this thing is clicking along doing exactly what God told it to do. And yet people say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, that's unfortunate because they're misguided, amen? They don't have accurate knowledge. Now notice it goes on in verse 3 to say, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, listen, for they being ignorant of what? God's righteousness. The righteousness which is of God. In other words, what are His requirements? So it says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And that is important because people want to say, God, I don't need you to tell me how to get to heaven. I'll work it out my way. And he'll say, Nope, that's not the way it works. And it's just the nature of sin. You know, I mean, when Adam was found out, God says, what have you done? He says, well, it's a woman you gave me. It's not me. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. She did it. Well, the fact of the matter is he did it. Are you, are you with me? And so that's the, the nature of, of sin is that people don't want to be told what's wrong with them, okay? That's, that's all there is to it. And that's why you got people all over. I mean, you know, the spectrum about what people are believing, man, I mean, it is wild. Are you with me? Because why? Because they're saying, you know, don't judge me. I can just do whatever I want. You do whatever you want. I'll do whatever I want. Unless I don't like what you're doing, and then I'll tell you I don't like that. But otherwise... Whatever you want to do, you can do. Well, you know, if you want to uh, subscribe to that kind of thinking, you're certainly welcome. But I'll tell you this much about it. It'll kill you. That's a fact. Well, no, they just have not submitted themselves. Listen, they have not submitted themselves 
to the righteousness which is of God. Now notice verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? Believes. Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. None of us are capable of being able to fulfill the requirements of the law. That's why Jesus came as the spotless Lamb of God and took away the sins of the world. He did fulfill all those requirements for us. Hallelujah. And so we're justified by faith in Him and His accomplished work so that you and I could be grafted into or adopted into the family of God and become the children of God. Aren't you thankful for Jesus tonight? Hallelujah. Verse 5, Moses described righteousness which is of the law, that a man that, that do, uh, does those things will live by them. But listen to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of what? But the righteousness which is of faith. So there's this comparison being drawn between the righteousness that comes from keeping the law versus the righteousness which is of faith. Okay, so he says, uh, it says, the righteousness which is of faith speaks. It says something. Am I, y'all with me so far? I haven't lost you, right? Okay, I don't want you to look at me like a deer in headlights going, where are you going, man? You know, I'm trying to explain this to you. The righteousness which is of faith, verse 6, speaks on this wise. Don't say in your heart, who's going to ascend into heaven? That's to bring Christ down from above. Or, who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What's that mean? That just means that when you, when you judge about, well, who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? What you're doing is you're taking Jesus completely out of the equation. Does that make sense to you? Because when you start making judgments like that, Jesus isn't in on it. That's what he's saying. You, you with me? Jesus went to hell. He paid the penalty, and he is now ascended up on high where he sits at the right hand of our Father. Glory to God. So that's what, you know, the Apostle Paul is endeavoring to talk about here. Notice it goes on then to say in verse 8, or yeah, 8, it says, So then what does the righteousness which is of faith say? Well, it says the word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. Now let's unpack these verses here just a little bit. You doing all right? Notice in verse 9 what it says here, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Some uh, Bible translations will say you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Well, when you confess or acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, are you not submitting yourself to his righteousness, Jesus, you are Lord. Are you with me? And, that's, and it's, it's fundamental and it is an essential 
Because a lot of times, you know, people, they don't want to go to hell, but they don't want to make Jesus Lord of their life either. You with me? They want fire insurance, but they don't want to behave. And, and, and I did that. As a 19-year-old kid, you know, we shuck and jive and do whatever, and it doesn't, you don't have to be 19. You can be 45. I mean, you know, whatever. But, you know, you're trying to work this deal, you know, so you can, you know, have your cake and eat it too. It's not the way it works. He wants all your heart, all your soul, and all your life. And when you surrender everything to him, he shows up. Because he knows all about it. People, you know, they'll do their deal, you know, and, and all of this. And, and, and you'll see people all the time. They put on a facade like they're, you know, some kind of great Christian or whatever. And they live like the devil. You know? Guess what? That is not going to work. But so again, in verse 9 here where it says, If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I can remember the moment, you know, when I quit all of that and I just said, God, I need you. I know I need you. And he knew that I knew. Are you with me? You know, you go through all the other stuff, you know, you can do that. But I mean, God knows when you mean business. And when you mean business, he shows up. And he changed me from the inside out and made me a new creation. Amen. Praise God. It doesn't pay. It, I mean, it doesn't cost. It pays to obey God. Amen. So there's the thing I want you to see in this is, is that we're talking about the nature of faith. Because a lot of people say, well, I have faith, you know. Well, James says, you know, a lot of people say they have faith, but they don't have any works to, you know, show, up, show for what they say they have, you know. So uh, inherent within this verse that we just got done reading here this evening, it, this statement, you know, inherent within this statement is the submission, everybody say submission, and surrender to Christ's lordship. And dear friend, that's a hard issue, isn't it? Hallelujah. And then, and, and the thing is, is without this heart component, you know, that we're talking about, the confession part means nothing. Does that make sense to you? Unless, unless what I'm saying is coming out of my heart, then it doesn't, mean, it doesn't amount to much. How many of you are with me here? All right? So, and that, you know, that's the thing. You know, that's where confession gets a bad name. You know, they say, oh, you're that name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and you know, all that kind of whatever, whatever. Well, I'm telling you what, praise God, there is a principle of confessing the Word of God, confessing what it is God has promised, confessing what it is that you believe as a child of God that will bring forth predictable results to the one who believes. Hallelujah. So yeah, I understand there'll be people out there, you know, that call it what you want, make a mockery out of it or whatever, you know, or say, well, there's nothing to that. They're just, you know, it's just mind over matter. It's, uh, you know, uh, if I confess it long enough, you know, then, then it'll come. Well, you know, it's not about just confessing it. It's believing with your heart what it is that you say. Does that make sense? Okay, the two of them are tied together. And so, um, like I said, you know, without this heart component, the confession part really means nothing. This is what Jesus said. He, he made reference to, he said, well, did Isaiah say of you outfits? You know, Jesus was not real kind sometimes when he talked to people. 
Because when they were being ornery, he just said, you know, I'll be ornery back. He made this statement. He said, these people draw near. This is what Isaiah said. This is in Isaiah 29. Jesus is quoting it. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Get baptized in water. Get confirmed in the church. Become a member. It's okay. You're good. Well, you're not good. Now, in the, in the case that he was dealing with here, it dealt with people not taking care of their parents. You know, because he made reference to the fact, you know, he said, uh, the Bible says, the commandment is, honor your father and mother. Okay, in other words, take care of them. But you say, it's Corbin, I don't know what that means, you know, but whatever. In other words, they get released off of a quote-unquote technicality that they have created so that they don't have to take care of their parents. Bunch of clowns. Same thing with the writing of divorcement. You know, these guys, they marry these women, they don't, then they get down the roadways and they go, you know, I don't know. I think I maybe want to, but they can't get around the law unless somebody writes into it a way out. So we're going to give them a bill of divorcement. And I tell you what, the prophets of the Old Testament, man, they were hard on them. He says, you, you, you go and uh, divorce your unoffending wives, looking for some, you know, way out, you know, and then, and then you can strut your stuff because you got to pass. Well, you know what? God sees all that. And people have to answer for it. Are you with me? It's tight, but it's right. Glory to God. It's what he said. I didn't say it. He said it. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's a million miles away. Are you with me? So it's your heart and what we say that have to be coupled together in order for the real nature of faith to be viable. Hallelujah. So when we talk about faith being of the heart, it, it, it naturally encompasses people's motives. You know, oh boy, now we're really getting down to the short rows here, aren't we? You know, because a lot of times, and, and I think we all have a susceptibility, you know, sometimes, sometimes our, our motives aren't the purest. Am I in the right house? You know, sometimes you're, you're, the reason that you want what you want is because you want it. Huh? Lord, help me with this woman. Why? Because she's given me a hard time. Well, maybe there's more to it than that. You know what I'm saying? Come on, smile. It's all right. Praise God. We're not even talking about you guys that are here tonight. We're talking about people that didn't show up. Hallelujah. So you're good. You know, James, he addressed this. He said, where do uh, wars and fightings come from among you? He says, don't they come from your own desires for pleasure, that war in your members, your lust, you don't have, you murder and covet and can't obtain, you fight in war? Yet you do not have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Yikes. You know, people can be all, you know, sanctimonious and stuff about their praying and stuff. But you know what? God, he ain't paying any attention to that. He's looking right through all of it and seeing people's heart. Are you with me? Everybody say, that's Okay. So, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, you know, for 40 years being around all of this, you know, and you'll see people, you know, and, and they, got, they, got, they got all kind of motives going on, 
you know? People, you know, for example, I'll give you a great example. You know, people come up and they want to give money to the church, but it comes with strings attached. Well, dude, God don't, no, uh-uh, that doesn't work. I, I just tell them you need to keep your money. Now, if, you know, if you want to be tempted, you can say, well, yeah, but man, that's a lot of money. Dude, I'd rather have no money that's pure and clean and right than I would a whole bunch of money that's dirty because somebody got there, you know, wanted to, you know, basically, you know, launder money through the church. Are you with me? You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I'd love to help you out with this church project, but, you know, I need for you to hire, you know, 14 of my kids and this and that and the other, you know, and, and uh, help make a living. Go sit in a car, dude. You know, if you can't give your money to the church in a cheerful, you know, uh, way and give it to God like you should, you know, p- people, they want to manipulate, you know, all the time. And, and I mean, that's, that's not something that hasn't happened a time or two, you know? And I just have to say, I'm sorry, we can't do that. No, that's not the way this works, you know? Hallelujah. Well, anyway, so much for that. You say Christians do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Children of God, baby, you know? And so you say, well, why would they do that? Well, I guess I just put it this way. They just haven't grown up quite enough. Got, got a little growing to do, amen? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Now, here's another thought, you know. Y'all doing all right? I mean, you're either listening really close or you're saying, man, I cannot wait till he gets done. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose the, 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 uh, the former. How about that? Talk about, talking about prosperity. You know, when you start talking about money in a church setting, people get, I mean, they get all kind of knotted up, you know. And, and, and the thing of it is, you know, when it comes to the subject, I mean, if you read the Bible, you'll discover a lot of different things. But I'll tell you this, too, that the truth about money is somewhere in the middle. You say, somewhere in the middle, what's that mean? It's somewhere in the middle of the one group that will judge you because you're covetous. You know, they don't know your heart. You know, oh, yeah, all they ever talk about is money. You know, I mean, and, 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 and truth is, some folk, they definitely got money on their mind, okay? And that's probably an issue. But you know, the preacher, the pastor, needs to teach his congregation about God's will concerning their, for lack of a better way of saying it, livelihood or their prosperity. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. So if I don't ever talk about it, then... You're either going to have to get it on your own, get it from someplace else, or you're going to go without. And the devil wants nothing more than to strangle the church and keep her from having anything. Because then you have no influence to be able to go into all the world and and preach the gospel to every creature. Are you with me? So you'll have one extreme. You're saying, well, you know, all they ever talk about is money, you know. I mean, this and that and the other. And, and uh, they're just covetous. That's all they got. That's all they want is money. Well, no, that's not true. Not in every case. You with me? Am I in the right house? But then on the other side, I'm talking about truth being in the middle. The other side of it is, <clears throat> is the other groups, uh, <laughs> you know, um, they mistake the message of prosperity and they'll say, 
You mean I don't have any, I don't have to do anything? God's just going to rain it down? I'm in. You know, so those are two extremes, but the truth is somewhere in the middle. God wants to bless your life. He'll bless the work of your hand. He'll prosper you in all that you set your hand to. You know, the Bible says that the Lord himself will. You know, you read in the Old Testament where these people, when they were obeying God and doing the will of God, he began to, you know, I mean, shovel it off for them. And they were obedient in their giving and so on and so forth. And, and so, does that make sense to you? You know, I'm just talking about understanding the nature of faith. My wife and I were just talking about it on the way here. And we were, just, we were talking about how blessed our lives were. How many of you know you need to be thankful? For whatever it is that you got, you need to be thankful. And, you know, I just told her, I said, you know, baby, we are blessed, but I'm telling you what, God's not through with us yet. And I'm not talking about just materially. There are some things I believe that God is going to use my wife and I to do to bless humanity in a bigger way. Hallelujah. Well, if I have resource and I learn to handle it, everybody say handle it. You know, if you learn to handle it to where you don't become covetous, you know, and start piling it up, then God can use you to do some incredible things. But again, it's all about your heart, isn't it? Yeah. So we could talk more about that, but for the sake of time, we'll stop there. So when we keep our hearts right, we have every right to believe God for everything that he has promised. Hallelujah. Now, um, we're kind of coming up on our time here a little bit. Turn with me one more time here to, uh, oh gosh, what do we have time for here? Let's go to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll just see how we get along here. Are you learning anything tonight? Hallelujah. Look with me in uh, Matthew chapter 21. <clears throat> Another aspect, let me back up a little bit. Bible faith only has one source. Where does it come from? The Word of God. Amen? Faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. Number two, secondly, Bible faith is of the heart, not the head. And again, I don't have time to get into I I wish that we could explain that a bit more because a lot of people think they're in faith when they're not. But that's I can't uh, deal with that much more. Third, Bible faith, listen, believes before it receives. It believes before it receives. Now, let's look at this verse of Scripture here, uh, something Jesus said. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm, I, uh, I'm about ready to shout and run and do all kind of stuff because this is going around on the inside of me about a million miles an hour. Verse 22, Jesus said, how many of you believe he told the truth? He said, in all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, What's that word? Believing. Doing what? Believing. Believing. You shall what? Receive. Hmm. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, automatically you'll think, well, you know, there's some times when I've been asking and I didn't get it. You ever been there? Welcome to the party. We all have. So maybe we didn't meet the conditions, because I believe what it is that he said is true. He said, in all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. 
Now, you know, there's a lot of caveats to that. Sometimes when we pray, for example, you know, we're praying about someone else and what it is that we want to see in their life and change and so on and so forth. And how many of you know they have a will in that? Huh? You know, you can't, you know, whenever, <clears throat> well, I don't have time for that. But, um, you know, a lot of times people want to almost practice witchcraft and control someone, and you can't do that. They're a free moral agent. But this is what you can do. You can ask God to intervene, to convict them, to speak to their hearts, to not leave them alone, you know, and I mean, and, and, and work in that situation. Are you listening to me? You know, but he said all things, you know, that you ask in prayer uh, whatsoever, you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, I want you to notice the, the, the context or, or where this statement, what this statement is couched within. Back up to the 18th verse. It says, now, uh, for the sake of time, Jesus cursed that tree. Remember that? In verse 18, notice it says, in the morning as he returned into the city, he was hungry. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now it didn't instantly show signs of death. Because we know that they went to Jerusalem, he preached that day, they went back home the next day. This is Mark's record. The next day, G, or, uh, Peter calling to remember said, look, Jesus, the tree you cursed is withered away. So when it says presently, I mean, when Jesus made those, that statement to it, guess what? It died. And yet it did not show its death. So presently, it says, um, <clears throat> you know, the tree. Now notice verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled. They said, well, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus said, or answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. Hallelujah. So my point to this again is, is faith believes before it receives. Okay? Why is that important? Because if you don't believe that you receive before you see it, your circumstances are sure to defeat you. Okay? People do it all the time in the natural they go in, they talk to a guy, he says, I'll tell you what, you give me 40 hours, at the end of the week, I'll pay you X amount of dollars. And they say, I'm in. And so they work all week with nothing to show for it. Huh? Why? Because they believe that the guy that said, if you'll do this, I'll give you this. Huh? They believe that on Friday, he's going to pull out his checkbook and give him some money. Are you with me? So in the natural, that's the way it is. You believe that you receive before you have it, okay? So when God says, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory because of Jesus Christ, maybe you can go to the bank that he'll take care of you. Now, that doesn't mean 
See, that's the other thing about it. A lot of people interpret, well, all right, I'm, good. I'm in. I don't have to do nothing. He's just going to give it to me. I'm all in. Yeah. Come on. No. <laughs> he blesses the work of your what? Hands. Hallelujah. So um, that's just one example. But look at uh, Mark chapter, real quickly, look at Mark chapter 11. And let's look how Mark uh, speaks of this. Hallelujah. I want to read beginning with verse 12. On the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if perhaps he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. So Jesus answered and said to it, he spoke to an inanimate object. And he said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Now you've got to believe. Because this, I mean, think about the disciples and what's going on in their mind. You know, I mean, don't you think, Jeff, that maybe they were, that maybe they talked amongst themselves and going, Dude, the guy is talking to the trees. Okay. Can you, can you help me out with that? I mean, I don't really understand that, you know. I mean, they had to. Come on. I mean, you know, most of us would look at something like that and say, you know, something's up. But the next day, they're walking by, and that tree is dead as a doornail. You with me? So let's look at verse 20. In the morning, they passed by. They saw the tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember, said, Master, the tree that you cursed is withered away. And so right in that moment, Jesus begins this teachable moment about the nature of faith, okay, that it believes before it sees. And it's released uh, by both word and action. So he says in verse 22, Jesus answered, and he said to them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his what? Heart. But shall what? Believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you desire when you pray, believe, come on, that you, what? Receive them, and you shall, what? Have them. So I have to believe when I pray at that time that I receive my need met. It's no different getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Father, I believe I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. Hallelujah. Even though I'm not talking with other tongues, I believe that I receive. Amen. That's the way faith works. Glory to God. And if we had time, we'd talk about a lot more with regard to all of this and, and uh, some of these matters because they're just important for us um, to understand. Hallelujah. But notice this with me, if you would, please. He said here in 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, what's the next word? What is it? 
Forgive. Well, I don't know how come God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, let me ask you this. Do we have unforgiveness going on? Because it seems to imply huh, that unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. You with me? You say, well, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Jesus does. He wants you to receive. But he also wants to make sure that we got everything square and pure and right. Isn't that right? So he says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, so that your Father which is in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't, neither will your Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. So some people say, well, you know, God, you're just being hard on me. You know, you don't know what they did. You know, all these different kinds of things. None of that matters, dude. He's saying, clean this all up so that we can get a divine flow going into your life. You can't imagine the number of people that have, you know, lost their lives, gotten sick and ill, uh, live a, a funky kind of life over bitterness, unforgiveness. You guys don't ever allow those seeds in your life because whatever the offense is, is not worth it. Are you with me? Let it go. You know, I mean, and, and you say, well, I just can't. Well, you can, you're just choosing not to. And I know sometimes some of the things that people, you know, do are so painful and so wrong. But the reality is, is that if you don't, I say, manage it or, or, or care for it properly, it will destroy you. And you, I bet, you know, all of us can sit around and say, well, yeah, I know about that, and I know about that, and, you know, that happened. Be careful. He said, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. And that's so true. You know, Jesus said it's impossible that there won't be offenses. You know, so you're going to get, you're going to be offended, okay? Just, you know, you might as well get excited about it because it's going to happen. Hallelujah. And what you need to do is you need to say, you know, Father, this is just another opportunity for me to watch you be strong in my behalf. So I'm going to forgive them as an act of my will, and I'm going to pray for them. I'm thinking about a situation right now, you know, I mean, relevant now, real-time situation where I've watched a family uh, with a neighbor, and the neighbor is ornery, okay? And that's putting it mildly, you know, and all they've done is believe the best, spoke the best, treated in the best, and nothing seems to be changing. Any of you ever been in one of them situations before? Well, you know, you have a choice. You can say, well, you know, this, this, this do-gooden thing, don't, they, ain't, they ain't catching it. You know, I'm done with this. Next time, by golly, I'm going to, you know, whatever, whatever. Or you can stay the course and let God fight your battles and watch him do something that you could never do. He can do that. Are you listening to me? But you have to stay in the boat. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Peter was supposed to get out of the boat. You need to stay in a boat. Stay in the boat of forgiveness to be a forgiver. And let God fight your battles. My wife and I have done it, you know. 
And it seems like you say, well, okay, I passed the test, praise God. You know, I won't ever have to deal with this again. <laughs> Something else will come along. You say, yeah, but do we have to keep doing this? Yep. That's right. It's so good to have Jesus as a partner. Are you with me? You know, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Don't allow those things. And you say, well, I just, you know, I can't get past these feelings. Listen, pray. You know what? God knows. You with me? He knows. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way like you and I are, and more so. God, I can't even imagine some of the stuff that Jesus put up with, you know. But, you know, to get on a cross and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, man, I'm telling you, that's magnanimity. But here's the thing. That thing called the Holy Spirit that dwells in you is what can empower you to do just that, to forgive, to forget, to move on, you know, and giddy up. Let's everybody stand. I've talked long enough. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a moment here, and uh, um, let's, um, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Father, we just love you tonight. We thank you for the divine instructions that come from your holy written word that enable our lives to be so very blessed by what it is that you've done through the blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus we thank you for our lives that are in you, Father, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to represent you and your kingdom in the earth. God, I pray for those that are here within the sound of my voice, perhaps some that are still watching by the internet. And God, I just pray that in this context that we've talked about the nature of faith and how it works, that, Father, if there's something that is standing in the way that is hindering that divine flow of answered prayer in a person's life, that, God, you'd speak to their hearts. And I just thank you, Father, for helping them, helping them to be able to deal with the matter, to forgive, to let go of, and to live free. I thank you for that, Lord. And Father, I thank you that each and every time that we gather in the name of Jesus, you're not only here in our midst, but you're teaching us and you're showing us how it is that we can have this relationship with you. Hallelujah. Because we trust you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So while every head's bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. Those of you that may be watching by internet, if you could just bow your heads for a moment. You know, maybe somehow or another an offense has taken place and unforgiveness has made its way in and found harbor within your heart. Well, tonight can be a night of release and freedom because it's with the heart that man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. So whether you're there in the comfort of your own home or if you're here in the sanctuary tonight, and somehow or another, you know, we've allowed unforgiveness or bitterness to somehow or another take hold and you'd say by your uplifted hand or those of you that are at home you just say 
Father, I wanna let this go right now as an act of my will. And the same thing here. Can I just see your hand wherever you are? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Yeah, amen. Thank you. This is a night of liberation and freedom for you. Praise God. Anybody else before we pray? Praise God. Yes, thank you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to just let it come right out of your heart. Praise God. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight because I am your child. And I ask you to forgive me of harboring unforgiveness or having bitterness in my heart. And God, I ask you to remove it in Jesus' name. I receive your forgiveness and I thank you for your power to cleanse me from all unrighteousness because I repent. And I thank you for your blessing. I pray for the person that caused the offense, Lord. And I ask you to help them. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, here's an important point to this. You know, if it's just one person that can say, I got this going on in my life, I don't want it anymore, that's worth everything. Are you listening to me? So that people can be free to live their lives in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Let's uh, go ahead and receive our evening offering. The ushers are in the aisle with an envelope. If you're giving cash, you want a receipt. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Fellowship Church. Grab an envelope out of one of the back of the pews there, if that's easier for you. And then also you can text to give. We want to thank you so much for helping us financially where the church is concerned. Hallelujah. God's good. Greater faith. Praise God. Greater faith. That's, that's what God wants us to have. So if you're here tonight and you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost when we dismiss, we want to invite you to come down. You say, you know what? I'm getting that. Glory to God. And we'll come pray, lay hands on you, and you'll get filled. Glory to God. Just as sure as I'm standing here. Lord, you say, you believe that? Absolutely. Praise God. He said, they laid hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So anyway, hold your offering up toward heaven. Let's pray together. Father, tonight is a good night for each and every one of us, Father, because Jesus is Lord. And as we come together, Father God, and we honor you with our gifts, our tithes, as we bring these offerings into the storehouse, we just want to thank you in advance for your grace upon and in each and every one of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Glory to God. Every home, every family, every household, every individual. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing them. Glory to God. Blessing them. Blessing them. Blessing them in ways, Father, that others would never be able to be blessed by. And I just thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Praise God. All right, the guys are going to run around with the buckets, pick up the offering. Glory to God. We're going to have, what, 30-degree weather?
this weekend? Huh? Isn't that good? Now, that's a 55-degree swing. I'm happy about that, okay? It's going to be awesome. Some of the snow is going to melt. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That'll be a good thing. You know, I got to go out there and scoop out a place for my dog. It's a bummer, dude. Huh? Well, ours is too. I mean, she ain't got much, she ain't got much of a dra- draft underneath her, but, you know. I mean, dude, if you threw her out there that stuff right now, she'd disappear. But anyway, praise God, this too shall pass. Amen. And have the whole yard to do whatever it is they want to do. Amen. Let's all stand. Praise God. Why don't you greet those around you? You can be dismissed. We love you guys. See you this Sunday.